But we are continuing our study in the book of Proverbs today. And as we get started with that, I want to ask you if you've ever been lost before. And maybe it wasn't you that got lost, but somebody that you were with got lost. But we've all had those experiences. And I want to share a story with you as we begin about my middle son, Miles, who got lost a few years ago when we were on vacation to Florida. So we were coming from the beach to the pool when all of a sudden we looked around and we realized that Miles was no longer with us. And we'd been doing a good job of checking and double-checking that we had all of our kids throughout the vacation, but at this point we were with family and we assumed that somebody else had Miles, which nobody did. And so all of a sudden the panic sets in and we're looking around everywhere for Miles. We are calling out his name. We're retracing our footsteps from the beach to the pool. We're asking everybody that we come across if they've seen our son. And when our anxiety level hit an all-time high, our oldest son at the time, who was seven, pointed across the pool area and said, Mom, Dad, look over there. There's Miles. He's sitting on that chair. And sure enough, we look across the pool area, and we see Miles lounging out on a pool chair in between two middle-aged women. (laughs) And so we rush over to Miles, and we thank the two ladies that were sitting with him, and we were like, thank you so much for staying with our son. But we found out later that when Miles figured out he was lost, he didn't cry, he didn't get upset, he just found an open seat in the pool area in between two new friends, and figured he'd enjoy the day while he talked to some new friends. Now, I love that story because, thankfully, it ended up in a good way. And we think back on that memory uh, with humor because we picture Miles sitting in between these two ladies that he didn't know. But none of us like to be lost, right? We like to know where we're going before we set off. And I think in our lives, certainty propels us in the right direction, doesn't it? So as we take a look at the book of Proverbs, this is why I love this book so much. Because out of all the books in the Bible, Proverbs gives us some of the most clear and practical advice on what it looks like to live our everyday lives for Christ, of how to stay on the right path and not to get lost. The book of Proverbs, it hits a completely different note than Paul's letters or the Gospels or the books of history that we see in the Old Testament because instead of giving us these extended passages of teaching or stories, Proverbs gives us bite-sized truths that invite us to reflect on how we're living. So these short sayings in Proverbs deal with the here and now, and if we choose them, we can stay on the right path. Proverbs calls staying on the correct path wisdom. And throughout scripture, wisdom is a term used to describe on earth as it is in heaven type living. You might remember that Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples to pray, told them to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what he was pointing to was this reality that heaven is not just a destination that we'll arrive to someday, but that instead it was being and should continue to be ushered in in our everyday lives. So Proverbs is our guide on how to live from the time that we exit the pews today 
until the time that we arrive back to them here again next week. The real question at the center of Proverbs is this. What am I like when I'm not here? When I'm not at church listening to a sermon or worshiping Jesus, what am I like in my everyday life? It deals with raising our kids and water cooler talk at work. Our interactions with crazy drivers on the road and conversations behind closed doors. Our attitude while coaching youth sports and the way that we treat our parents. All of it and more is addressed in Proverbs. So, if you want to remember what Proverbs is all about, it can be boiled down to this. Living well right here and now. Living well right here and now. And today we're going to continue to look at these bite-sized Proverbs, specifically looking how, at, at how we use our words. Wisdom with words. How do we live well right here and now when it comes to our speech? So over the past week, I picked up a copy of the message of Proverbs. It looks like this. And really, all, of it, all that it is, it's the message translation of the book of Proverbs. But having kind of a handheld copy for me was helpful because I just wanted to go through the Proverbs from the beginning to the end and take a look what Proverbs actually has to say about our words. And honestly, it was eye-opening and convicting to me because I realized how many times I fall off the path of wisdom when it comes to my own speech. So what I did is I went through the Proverbs and I started just making little stars next to any time the Proverbs talked about our speech. And now, don't hold me to this because I didn't have math in Bible college, but as I added it up, it was around 120 times that Proverbs talked about the way that we speak. 120 times Proverbs has something to say about our words. Now, I think that shows us how important it is to use our words wisely when it comes to walking with Jesus. And then the next thing that I noticed as I was reading through these Proverbs was how often many of these Proverbs were structured in a similar way. It seemed like more often than not, there were either positive statements, negative statements, or a combination of both. And even though those played out differently depending on the proverb, this was a technique that was used in the ancient Middle East to help people reflect on wisdom teachings. So here's a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. And these are just found in like two pages as you're reading through the Proverbs. So one to look at, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but the path of the upright is a highway. So you can see here in one small proverb, you have a negative statement and a positive statement. Here's another way that these look in the Proverbs. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. So instead of having both within the same sentence, now we have two different positives. But this also shows us that the flip side can be true, right? So you can talk about how if you don't give a cheerful look, what that would look like as well. And here's the last one. Stern discipline awaits who, him who leaves the path. He who hates correction will die. So you can see the two negative statements within this proverb. And honestly, to me, it makes the proverbs feel very black and white. There's rarely any gray in proverbs. And this is why the Proverbs are so helpful for us as Jesus followers, because it clarifies the things that matter to God, but it also helps us to avoid the landmines of our own foolishness 
along the way. It reminds me of a game that I've played with my kids before. It's called Bean Boozled. And if you haven't played this game before, there are these little packs of jelly beans that you can buy. And within these packs of jelly beans, there are delicious tasting jelly beans, but there are also some very disgusting tasting jelly beans. But the trick is that you don't know which is which. So you could pick out two different jelly beans, and depending on which one that you have, it could give you a completely different reaction when you're done. So against our better judgment, again, since Joel wasn't around this week, we decided what if we handed out packs of these jelly beans to our students in the room so that anybody that wants to try Bean Boozled with us today can do that. Now, you probably can't read this too well on the screen. Maybe you can. But you'll see the different flavors that are contained within this pack. So before you make your decision, you can see that if you get one of the brown jelly beans, it could be either liver and onions or cappuccino. Or if you get one of the red ones, it could be an old bandage. So this is why you have to decide right now if you want to play this or not. But what's going to happen is Taylor and Luke are going to come back up here. They've agreed to play with me. And as they're doing that, if you want to play along, all you have to do is find a student in the room and have them shake one of these jelly beans out into your hand. And as we eat our jelly beans, you can eat one right along with us. Here's the disclaimer, though. If you get a disgusting-tasting jelly bean and you throw up in the middle of a church service, you cannot blame me for this. This is, this is my disclaimer. It is on you from this point forward. Okay, so now is the time. If you want to join us and try one of these bean boozled jelly beans, go ahead, find someone in the room. Kids, hold your jelly beans up so they know where they are, and you can get one if you want. I'm going to shake one out for Luke and, and Taylor as well. What is that one? You got to go that way. I'm going, I'll go this one. <laughs> Awesome. Right, I'll go. I'll go. Worse. I'll okay. go worse. Let me see. I think Which I have. Uh, I've got birthday cake or dirty dishwater. That's what I have too. So. That's what I uh, have too. No. Yours is different. That's stink bug or marshmallow. <laughs> Where? Stink bug, toasted marshmallow. All right, Luke, you're first. Yeah, we will. Hold on. We'll we'll do it together. Everybody, get your jelly bean, and we'll do this together. I have stink bug. I have liver and onions. I think. Yeah, <clears throat> or cappuccino. All right, it's judgment time, everyone. I I have no clue what dirty I, dishwater tastes like. I will say that I feel like more people are doing this than I thought would. So this could go very poorly. <laughs> okay, here we go. On three, we are going to try our jelly bean and try not to throw up if you get a disgusting flavor. Luke has what? I have. Birthday cake or dirty dishwater? Birthday cake, dirty dishwater. Taylor? I have stink bug or toasted marshmallow. And I have cappuccino or liver and onions. All right, on three, everyone. One, two, three. I got cappuccino. He did not. I got marshmallow. What'd you get? I got dirty dishwater. <laughs> I'm trying to look at reactions now and see if... Okay, okay. No, we did all right. Terrible. We made it through. I'm going to have to go to the back so, room. Wow. <laughs> if you... <know> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, if you need to leave now to get a drink of water, I wouldn't blame you. 
There's no regaining control at this point. We've lost them. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's bring it back in here. Now, there is a point to why I wanted to do this today. Mainly it was to see your reactions at the end of this. But I believe that as the Proverbs give us these little bits of wisdom, that the reaction that you just experienced is exactly what Proverbs sets out to give us. But unlike the Bean Boozle Challenge, Proverbs clearly shows us the difference between the good choices and the bad choices, which is super helpful for us as we're trying to figure out how we live this life. And so if we choose our words wisely, we can expect the sweetness that comes as a result of that, just like the sweet jelly bean that you might have eaten a minute ago. But if we choose our words foolishly, then we can expect the bitterness that comes as a result of that. So let's spend the next chunk of our time together diving into Proverbs to see what God expects of us when it comes to our speech. And all of the things that we're going to see with these expectations, they're covered a multiple times, multiple times throughout the book of Proverbs. But it's helpful for us to look at one bite-sized truth at a time. So to start today, I want to show us what the first proverb is. Um, in order to do that, I have some kid helpers that are going to come up as we go through these. And on the board over here are going to put the word that will fill in your blank on your bulletins as well. It'll be on the screen also, but the kids are going to come up and help with this as well. So the first proverb that we're going to look at reminds us to tell the truth. Tell the truth. Proverbs 12, 19 says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue only lasts for a moment. Now, as I say that, that's a tough one to start with, isn't it? It stings a little bit. Because even though from the time that we were very small, we learned that it is not okay to lie, that we should tell the truth, we fall into the trap of, telling, of, of lying to save our own skin all the time, don't we? We like to tell ourselves that lying will keep us out of trouble or it will make us look better than what we really are. But we have to remember that God sees through it all. It shouldn't surprise us that in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sin, the first thing that they do is hide from their creator. Because that's what we do when we get in trouble, isn't it? We like to hide our messes. We try to push it inside, to, to the side so that nobody else can see it. Because telling the truth can be hard sometimes, can it? But if we want to walk in the way of wisdom, Proverbs tells us that we have to be people who tell the truth. We must be known as people who are full of integrity and who tell the truth even when it means that we're going to face the consequences of what that truth might hold. Here's our next one. Don't be a gossip. Don't be a gossip. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. Can I be honest with all of you today? I think that gossip is one of the church's most widespread sins. It runs rampant in churches everywhere, and yet we rarely talk about gossip. 
We like to push it to a side to talk about things that we feel like are more important and more pressing. But the Bible has so much to say about what we should do with gossip in our lives. Why is it that there's some sins that we try to weed out of our lives, that we don't want to be a part of our lives, but there's other sins that we ignore completely? This is what it looks like with gossip. We ignore it. We put it on the shelf. We don't want to think about it. And honestly, my wife and I have had some tough conversations about this lately because we've seen this in our own lives. Because behind closed doors, it's so easy to vent to people that you love, to people that you know aren't going to share it with anybody else. But what Proverbs shows us is gossip severs relationships. Gossip damages reputations. And gossip does something within us as well. It hardens our hearts towards people that God wants us to continue to have soft hearts towards. Church, we have to be better. We have to be at the forefront of ending the whispers. It's got to stop. When it comes to our speech, it can't be a part of how we live our lives. People, we need to be people who keep confidences. We need to be people who go to the source instead of spreading more rumors. People who others in this community know they can turn to because we're going to walk with them through their messes instead of broadcasting their messes to people that don't need to know about it. Here's the next one. Speak less. Proverbs 21, 23. It says, he who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself from calamity. Have you ever met someone that continually puts their foot in their mouth? Maybe that's you. I know it's been me before in my life. And one story about that is when I was at Plainfield, we would do VBS every year. And there was a time where we had a missionary come in for VBS. We were setting up the Sunday before VBS started, and the missionary came in to introduce themselves. And I was with a friend at the time who saw this missionary, and the first thing that he said to her was, oh, when are you due? And she wasn't pregnant, which is never something that you want to say to someone when they aren't pregnant. And as graciously as she could, this missionary said, nope, I'm not pregnant. This is all me. It was not a comfortable situation to be in, and I still to this day have not let my friend live down the time that he put his foot in his mouth. But that wouldn't happen if we thought before we spoke, right? If we spoke less. People who are full of wisdom are quick to listen and slow to speak. They choose their words wisely, and they make what they say count, This is the type of person that I run to when I need advice. I'm not going to turn to the person who's not even going to let me finish my sentence before they're spitting out what they think I need to do. I'm going to go to the person that's going to listen to me, that's going to pray with me, that's going to prayerfully give me advice that I know that's going to point me back in the right direction. Speaking less can help us accomplish more in our mission to bring heaven to earth. We also need to lead with gentleness. Lead with gentleness. Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If we're going to be led by the Spirit of God, then gentleness has to be present. The book of Proverbs shows us this as it plays out with our words. 
And Proverbs recognizes that sometimes the way that we say something is just as important as what we say. If you've been in any sort of relationship, you know this is the case. Because the way that you say something communicates more than you'd like to admit. If I'm watching TV and my wife calls from the kitchen, hey, Tyler, can you help with the dishes tonight? The way that I respond can give two completely different answers to her. I could use the exact same words and portray two different attitudes. Yes, honey, I'll be right there. Yes, honey, I'll be right there. It's two different ways of saying things, the same words, and yet we communicate something different. One is harsh, one is gentle. Attitude is everything when it comes to our speech. Here's another one. Our words can bring light to the darkness. Proverbs 18:21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I don't tend to think that my words hold too much power, but Proverbs here tells us that our words have the power of life and death. We have the opportunity to lead people out of darkness and into the light with the way that we speak to them. Words infused with the Spirit of God can do that. Think about it. If you are following Jesus today, at some point or another in your life, someone spoke words of truth to you that changed the direction of your life forever. That's the power that you have with your words. You have the potential to propel a friend, a coworker, a neighbor in a completely different direction. And along with that, we can bring light to the darkness by holding fellow believers accountable. Because sometimes we just need to tell someone that they're choosing a destructive path. Those are hard words to say to someone, but they can help them leave the darkness and come to the light. And Proverbs makes it very clear that revealing and even rebuking sin in our lives is often what brings people out of the darkness. Now, as I say this, I know that we need to take all of these other bits of wisdom that we're learning into consideration as we approach somebody in that conversation. But speaking the truth to others through the lies that they're hearing around the world may be the only thing that redirects their path. And finally, the Proverbs encourage us to use your voice. Proverbs 17.5. He who mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. As you read through the book of Proverbs, it's crammed full of nuggets concerning justice for others. And that's not just with our words, that's also with our actions. And this specific proverb shows us the cruelty of making fun of those who are less fortunate. Mocking the poor is actually mocking the God who created them. So Proverbs 17.5 is pointing to the negative side of how we use our voice when it comes to taking care of others. But the opposite is also important. Like we saw with these positive and negative statements at the beginning, we also know that it's super important for us to speak up, to use our voice, because we need to care about the same things that Jesus cared about. We need to be about what Jesus was and is about. And if you think about the life of Jesus, he cared for the broken and the hurting, for the poor, the outcast, the rejected. So on the flip side of this verse, 
Proverbs asks us to speak up. It says, if you see injustice in this world around you, then you have to use your voice to do something about it. You can't remain quiet quiet when injustice is happening around you. We have to step into the gap for hurting people, just like Jesus would. So tell the truth. Don't be a gossip. Spend less. Lead with gentleness. Bring light into the darkness and use your voice. If we were to have some buckets up here today and we looked at all the different Proverbs, these are some of the things that I think the wisdom with words would land in. And although it's not a comprehensive list, what I can tell you is, as we look at the life of Jesus, all of these things that we're talking about are present in the way that he interacted with others. Jesus walked perfectly in wisdom. And I find it interesting that when we think about the life of Jesus, he never wrote a word that we find throughout the Gospels. Besides the one time that he bent down in the sand and wrote something in the dirt that was washed away by the next rain. But when we think about Jesus, we know him as a man of words. Jesus spoke. And the Gospels are filled with stories of Jesus using his words wisely. Many times people stood amazed at the wisdom that he spoke. And this shouldn't be surprising to us because we're talking about the same God who spoke the universe into existence. We're talking about the word who became flesh. Eugene Peterson says it like this. The words that God uses to create and name and bless and command in Genesis are also the same words we hear Jesus using to create and name and heal and bless and command in the Gospels. Jesus speaks and we hear God speak. I think a perfect example of this is found in Jesus' interaction with 10 men who had leprosy in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And I want to end today looking at this story of how Jesus used his words to change everything for people in his life. Here's what it says. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. He was going into a village. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, to him, rise up and go. Your faith has made you well. These ten men were outcasts in their society. They were deemed unclean because of their skin disease, but they were also forced to live outside the city limits. And to top it all off, anytime a group of people were around, they were, they were made to yell, unclean just to let everybody in the vicinity know that these men were to be avoided at all cost. And yet, they came to Jesus. They'd heard the stories about him. I'm sure that they were familiar with what happened and was recorded for us in Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4, where Jesus touched a man with leprosy and healed him instantly. And so these ten men came to Jesus asking for that same type of healing. They kept their distance from Jesus, and they called out to him, and then we get to hear Jesus speak. Jesus utters one sentence 
And with that one sentence, these men's lives were changed forever. Go, show yourself to the priests, saying, I know who can make you clean again or who can say that you're clean again and can re-enter you into society, and that's the priests. So go to them. Go, leave here, and your life will be changed. And as these men turned in faith to head towards the priest, the healing process began. Jesus spoke, and stuff happened. These men came to Jesus because they knew that he always told the truth. What you saw is what you got with Jesus. And Jesus didn't turn these men away and start talking about them behind their backs. Gossip was never a part of the conversations that Jesus had. Instead, Jesus walked with people through their messes. He held confidences. And in this story, we see Jesus speak less. He didn't have to use a lot of words to usher in the kingdom of God. In one short sentence, these men received healing. Disease has no part in the kingdom of God. Jesus sought to bring light into the darkness and to rid the world of disease. Death and disease, sickness and pain, they all had met their match in Jesus. And just like he spoke the stars into the expanses of the universe, lighting up the darkness at the beginning, in this moment, Jesus squashed darkness with a word. And Jesus used his voice to address the injustice that he saw around him. The outcasts were welcome home. Jesus didn't simply restore the health of these men. Jesus restored their dignity and their worth as well. More than anybody else in the history of the world, Jesus used his words to reveal God. And I gotta ask today, what would it look like if we used our words in the same way? What would it look like if we saw our words as opportunities to reveal God to the people he's placed in our lives? Would it change the way that we talked about our spouses to our kids? Would it change our conversations at work? Would it change the way that we talk about people behind closed doors? Proverbs lights the way for us. And Jesus shows us the power of our words. And we have the opportunity, leaving this place today, to use our words wisely. But I'm so thankful that we don't have to do this on our own. Because as you look through the book of Proverbs, what you'll see over and over again is that wisdom actually starts from within. What's on the inside actually affects our words and our actions. And so many of the Proverbs talk about either being righteous or wicked. That those type of things are what affect everything else in our lives. And so if you want to be wise with your words, if you want to have wisdom in your life, then you have to first start by being connected to Jesus. Church, you're not alone. And what I love about the story that I showed you at the beginning is that Miles understood that sometimes when you get off track, all you need is someone to sit beside you and to wait with you until you come back to the right spot. And the same is true with Jesus. Jesus is that person for us. He's the one that is with us every step of the way. If you want one word that can give you wisdom and that can change your life forever, this is the word. Jesus changes everything for us. 
He's the one that sets us apart. He's the one that died on the cross to transform us from the inside out. If you're trying to do it alone, you're doing it wrong. If you're placing all of this at the feet of Jesus, your life's gonna be transformed forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the book of Proverbs. Man, all of these bite-sized bits of wisdom are crammed, packed within a short 31 chapters. And as we look at the words that are given to us, we see very clearly what it looks like to live with wisdom. God, I pray that we are people who pursue wisdom. And at the center of that, God, I pray that we are people who lay our lives at your feet, at the feet of Jesus, knowing that he is the one who transforms us from the inside out. He's the one who sits next to us, who helps us get back up and puts us back on the right path. We don't have to do this alone because of what Jesus has already done. Not only has he shown us the way, but he helps guide us along the way in our lives. God, thank you for Jesus. And thank you for helping us walk in wisdom. In your son's name I pray, amen.